2: I want to know and, and do the will of God. The Bible says in James chapter one, verse five, all I have to do is ask him for wisdom and he gives it to me. If he allows you to go to it, he wants you to follow him through it. That's what he does. He directs us. That's his responsibility. Our responsibility is follow the shepherd.
1: Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, senior pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multigenerational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis.
2: I'll never forget that moment. I felt so inadequate and ill-prepared. The teaching assignment I had been given was something that, from a seminary standpoint, was an easy task. When I looked at the audience, I realized that I was out of my league. I was in Jordan, in the Middle East, and pastors had gathered from seven nations around Jordan. And I had been asked to teach on the shepherd and the sheep. I grew up in a small town, but still pretty much a city boy. I don't know anything about being an actual shepherd, and I was in a country where even on the way to the meeting, I had passed many shepherds and their flocks of sheep crossing the road. I knew that I was out of my league. I kind of feel that way even today, for a variety of reasons. I, I feel that way because as a pastor, I'm, I'm trying to lead a church through a worldwide pandemic. We, we've never been this way before. We don't know what it's like. Can, can you believe we're having online church? It's unusual days, and we have unusual and unique responses. And so I'm feeling a little inadequate. I'm also feeling that way today because, once again, I'm addressing the subject of shepherd and, and sheep. And, and now, uh, more than 12 years later, I've still never been a, an actual shepherd. I've never hung out with actual smelly sheep. Though, if we think of church members as sheep, well, well that's another story. Today, though, I'm going to address something that Scripture talks about more than 300 times. That relationship between us and the good shepherd. Sometimes he's called the great shepherd At other times he's called the chief shepherd. We're looking at the I am statements of Jesus. And in John 10, Jesus is going to say, I am the good shepherd. We've been talking about these things because I am literally helps us understand who he is. And when we understand who God is, it helps us understand who we are. I am changes who I am. And Jesus had seven of these I am statements. First, he said, I am the bread of life. And maybe today you need to be reminded that Jesus is your source. Anything and everything you need, he has. Jesus is your satisfaction. Everything good you could possibly want, he can give you. And every time we open God's Word, we're reminded that Jesus is our salvation. The greatest needs you have, salvation. Jesus is the way. Then we talked about the second statement of Jesus. Jesus would say, I am the light of the world. What does light do? From the very beginning, we see that light forms us. And Jesus wants to form you. Light fills us. And I believe Jesus wants to fill you. And, and light makes the darkness flee from us. And as, as you become more like Christ, as, as you become molded and shaped and transformed into his image, the darkness begins to flee from you. Last week we saw Jesus say, I am the door. It's an unusual phrase. What does he mean, I am the door? I am the gate, some translations say, to the sheep. Jesus was letting us know that he is our portal of access. He is our place of entry. Through Jesus, you have access to everything you could possibly need. Think about that. Anywhere and everywhere, you have access to anything and everything through Jesus. And that's greatly encouraging in times like these when we can't gather in rooms like this and meet. But we can go to Jesus at any place because he's... The door. The internet was abuzz last night because apparently the Pope said from the Vatican, the Catholics can forego confessing to a preach during this season. They can go straight to God. I hate to share this news, but we kind of discovered that long ago. You see, when Jesus raised from the dead after having died on the cross, the veil was torn in the temple, and all of us had access to the one we began to know as the high priest. And Jesus is the one that gives you access to God. In fact, He's like your defense attorney, arguing on your behalf, going to God in your favor. See, when God opens our eyes to the presence of Jesus, He opens the door that changes everything in our lives. If you want things to be changed in your life, then you go through that door that is Jesus Christ. He changes your perspective, He offers you protection. And then he becomes your provision. And that's what Jesus told us at the beginning of John 10. And he ended the passage that we dealt with last week with these words. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have abundant life. After reminding us that Jesus gives us access to everything we can need, he tells us that there is a thief, and the thief is coming, and the thief would want to rob us of peace. He would want to steal our joy. He would want to destroy our dreams and keep us. From God's best. The thief is coming. Make no mistake, whether you call him Satan, the father of lies, the devil, he's not some little cute, red faced, pointy eared guy with a pitchfork. This is a guy who's after you and your mama. The thief is coming, Jesus would say. But then he would say, But the good shepherd is coming too. I am the good shepherd. I want you to listen to the word of God, John chapter 10 beginning in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hard hand and, and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, he sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hard hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I lay it down. It's voluntary. I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my Father. I, I want you to pray with me. And I want us to ask God to help us look to and learn from the Good Shepherd. Let's pray together. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we say thank you for you have given us this day another day of life. We rejoice. We're grateful in it. God, we also say thank you because you've given us a chance even through technology to worship together. Thank you. We are grateful. But, God, we also come to you in a place of need. We know that we need you. So teach us what we do not know. Give us what we do not have. Make us what we've not yet become so that we might live our lives reflecting your glory. God, help us to see the good shepherd, you, Jesus, in a new and a fresh way today. Help us to look to you. Help us to learn from you. God, I pray that my words and my thoughts in these next few moments would be pleasing to you. And God, I pray that as a result, when we come to the conclusion of our time together, eternity will have been impacted Because we met here today. So in homes, in offices, wherever this service is viewed, would you be honored? Would you be praised for your glory? In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. The Barnabas Effect, that will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today, and now we continue with our message. Jesus would say in John 10, I am the good shepherd, and I want you to think about the good shepherd, and I really just want you to walk away with two primary truths today. The first one is this, Jesus, the good shepherd, he speaks to me. Don't miss this, friend. Jesus speaks to me. Don't, don't think I'm a, a kook or, or I'm a little crazy or I'm always walking around just saying, I've got a fresh word from God, but I want you to know that God is alive. And because Jesus is my good shepherd, he speaks to me. And I believe if he is your good shepherd, he will speak to you as well. There are all kinds of voices, all kinds of influences in our life. We all have to ask, who are we listening to? What are the voices that we're giving attention and credence to? Are you listening to Jesus? What is Jesus saying? I want to give you three things from this passage I know Jesus is saying. First, he's saying, I've got you. I've got you. When we gather in this place, and in, in, in my teaching of God's word, I'm often reminding folks that nothing ever catches God off guard. Everything that touches your life, as hard as it may seem, as difficult as this is to accept, all of that has first filtered through the hand of a sovereign God. So sometimes we just need to hear that God, Jesus, speak to us and say, I've got you. I've got this situation. How, how can he say that? Here's how. Because according to Scripture, the good shepherd owns the sheep. Jesus would distinguish himself from a hireling. What is a hireling? A hireling is one who has a paid job. They show up, they clock in, they clock out. They may check off a box, they may do a job, but they're just doing a job. The investment is different. The investment's different from that of an owner. You see, an owner has responsibility. You know this if you've ever rented a car. Sometimes when I rent a car, I I get to upgrade to like a fancy car. And if I do that, I have to tell you, I I decide that I'm kind of like a NASCAR driver. I grew up with my grandma living right next to the Darlington Raceway, the the grandmother or the mother of all speedways. And and, and so I, I have that opportunity in a rental car to rag it out. Not really. And please don't tell the authorities. But. I'm a little more careful in the car that I own. Truthfully, using my cars couldn't do that. (laughs) But I, I have responsibility with my car. The Bible says that Jesus is the owner of the sheep. That means you are his responsibility. That means when you get sick, it's his responsibility to give you healing. When you are out of funds, it's his responsibility to take care of that. When your marriage is in crisis, it's his responsibility to come alongside and give you everything you need to make it through. That's why the psalmist, when talking about this good shepherd in Psalms 23, would say, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want It's a word which literally means to lack nothing. Have you come to that place in your relationship with God where you understand what it means to lack nothing? That's what the psalmist is saying. That's what Jesus is saying to us. When you've got me, you've got everything you need. You already have everything you need in me to to do what I want you to do. That's the way I've created you. You lack nothing. So here's the challenge you need to understand today. Don't let the circumstances, don't let the challenges, don't let the conditions of our environment keep you from the confidence God wants you to have. He's got you. He's got this. I I think he would say that, but then I think he would say this. I know you. It should be comforting to you that our God knows you. The creator of all that is. That's one of the things that distinguishes Christianity from every other world religion. We believe that we have a personal God. So the Bible teaches us things like this. The hairs on our head are counted. It says he collects our tears in a bottle. He knows us. I've lived long enough to know that one of our greatest fears is worrying what people would think if they really knew us. What would the people I hang out with do if if they knew the worst things I've done? if, If they knew my weakest moments? If they really knew me? The Bible teaches us that the one who loves us most is the one who knows us best. So that means there's nothing you could do that would make God love you any less than He already loves you. And there's nothing you could do that would make Him love you more. He knows your name. He knows everything About you. The psalmist put it this way in Psalms 139 in verse 1. Oh Lord, you've searched me and you've known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You've searched out my path and my lying down are acquainted with all my ways. He knows us. And he calls us by name. Jesus loved responding to those in his circle of influence by name. He would call out Simon. He would say, Martha, Martha. He, he would cry out to the little man in the tree by name. He would say, Zach is. It's clear that in love, he would speak the name of Mary Magdalene. And there's one whose name he would call, and he would come up out of the grave. Lazarus, come forth. I want you to know today that wherever you are, whatever you're going through, no matter how heavy your burden, Jesus knows you. He would say that to you. I've got this. I've got you. And I know you. But there's a third thing I think Jesus would say. I believe Jesus would say to us follow me. It's clear in the John 10 passage that the Good Shepherd is a leader. Now, there are three characters in this story, just to remind you of what's taking place. The first is the thief. The thief is coming, he's coming to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Then there's the sheep. The sheep are being led. They're being protected. They're being cared for and guided by the good shepherd. That's the third character. Jesus is the good shepherd. You're not the good shepherd. I'm not the good shepherd. We're the sheep. Sheep that can sometimes be very dumb. Sheep that left on their own will ultimately result in eating their own excrement. And going to their own death because they can't take care of themselves. That's us, the sheep. And I've learned this about me as a sheep. My natural tendency, my personality, even my vocation, my fleshly wandering, is to try to lead, to try to take control. If this were a support group, I would be raising my hand saying, Hi, I'm Paul, and I'm a control freak. Before you look at me like that, (laughs) you are too. We we all want to manage our lives and our our situations, and we want to take control. But in, in this situation, God is saying to me, It's not your responsibility to lead, it's your responsibility to follow. We're playing follow the leader. He is our leader. Psalms 23 helps me understand that. Don't you love this passage? Psalms 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, I lack nothing. He's the leader, we're followers, so what happens? When we follow him, he directs us. Aren't you thankful for the guidance and the direction of our loving God? The Bible says that we make our plans, but it's God who guides our steps. If I trust in the Lord with all my heart, if I lean not into my own understanding, if I acknowledge him in all my ways, he will direct my path. I'm so thankful that God directs us i'm not left on my own if i want to know and and do the will of god the bible says in james chapter 1 verse 5 all i have to do is ask him for wisdom and he gives it to me generously he directs us but what does that mean it means he directs us through green pastures he directs us through quiet waters He, he directs us through dark valleys he directs us through dangerous enemies he directs us through the shadow of death he directs us through So think about where you are right now, what you're facing, maybe the situation our whole world is in. And understand this biblical truth. If he has allowed you to go through it, that means he wants to direct you through it. If he allows you to go to it, he wants you to follow him through it. That's what he does. He directs us. That's his responsibility. Our responsibility is follow the shepherd. Feel like you're going through something? Well, keep moving. You feel like you don't know how to make it through? Keep moving. You feel like life is spinning out of control? Keep moving. Keep moving through this health scare. Keep moving through your financial crisis. Keep through it moving through the marriage uncertainty. Keep moving uh, through your job confusion. Keep moving. You, you feel like you're going through hell? Whatever you do, don't stop there. Keep moving. Sometime in order to follow him, you have to keep moving. But sometimes, he doesn't just direct us. Sometimes he corrects us. Psalmist put it this way. Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. I read that this week, and it hit me. I began to think, what if we're in a worldwide make-us-lie-down moment? You've seen all the different memes, the little graphics on social media and the Internet. Someone sent this to me yesterday. God was mad at all of us, so he made us all go to our rooms. Well, I don't know about that. but, But what if God is just saying, time out? tired of your bickering. I'm tired of your focused efforts on things that don't really matter. I'm going to make you lie down and listen to me. His rod and the staff, they comfort me. Why were the rod and staff a comfort? The rod and the staff for the shepherd were primarily used, not just to guide the sheep, they're primarily used as protection against the enemies. Sometimes that correction comes in uh, so We're reminded that we can be protected. Sometimes God is getting our attention. He may be doing that because he's trying to give us what we need. God may want you to give up what you want in order to experience what you really need. And you may not understand it. But maybe today you need to know that while you you may not understand him completely, you can follow him immediately. You can listen and respond to what he's saying to do. It's one thing to know that God speaks to you. It's an entirely different thing to understand that the God of the universe has saved you from your sins so that you might have that abundant life He promises. Because when He died on the cross, that's everything that needed to be done so that you and I could experience forgiveness and have forever life. That's the truth of the gospel. Christ died for our sins. Just as scriptures said, he would have to do. He was buried and he rose again. Just as the scriptures said, he would have
1: to do. You've been listening to the Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement